Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. What's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, the professor, a.k.a. Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. It's not Tuesday night, it's Thursday night. It's 9.30, and we're bringing you a little bonus uh insight into the nfc south we're going to be looking this is the second uh team that we've looked at for the off season and trying to kind of evaluate where they're at now where they are heading to the draft we did tampa bay on tuesday tonight is the new orleans saints and we've got a special guest to help us chop that up it's alan ulrich from the under the dome podcast welcome to the show alan Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to this season. If we have a season, I'm assuming we will. <laughs> I hope so. Cody Lashney, Cody Lashney in the house. What's up, man? Brother, I'll wrap it up with you on any night that ends with a Y, man. I'm here, <laughs> ready to talk to our buddy Allen. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to do it, man. We're going to get to talk to uh, the guy who uh, represents the team who's been owning the NFC South recently. So uh, I'm sure we all have some interesting questions for him, and uh, I'm excited to do so. CK, let us hear that lovely voice. In a world <laughs> where Carolina Panthers fans. <laughs> um, man, it's uh, it's good to have uh, a Thursday night with you boys. I'm not going to tell you what I passed up on to be here, but uh, let's just say my wife wasn't happy. Um, oh, oh no! Man. So, no, 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 no! Alan, I hope you're a damn good interview. <laughs> you have to live up. You have well, some. You have some uh, shoes to fill, sir. Well, much, much like my wife would say, I'll be a disappointment tonight. Sorry. <laughs> zing, zing, zing! All right, so we're here to talk about uh, the preseason. Not the preseason, the off season. Kind of evaluate where the Saints are at. We we spend so much time looking in the mirror on the C three Panthers podcast. We're trying to look around the league, and I I did actually see the Saints pop up on my news feed today. I think it was PJ 
Williams, Williams. Yeah, that PJ they were Williams able to get up. for a one-year deal. Uh, PJ mm-hmm. Williams was on the ass end of that play in mm-hmm. uh, in Minnesota a couple years ago, mm-hmm. right? So um, uh, you yeah. guys have been kind of quiet though overall in free agency. It seems like at least from just my uninformed position. It's kind of a steady the ship and let's do what we've done the last couple of years. It's uh, when you've won 37 games in the past three years and uh, you only lost 11 and you've won three division titles, you kind of want to keep that core together as best you can. So that's kind of been the Saints approach this offseason is let's just re-sign our guys. Um, We added Emmanuel Sanders. but for the most part, we're going to keep our core together, bring Breeze back one more year, and see if we can make that run, if we can get over the hump. I mean, each year we've found that we've lost on the last play of the playoff game, whether it's the Minnesota Mir- Minneapolis miracle, the, uh, the overtime game against the Rams, or last year against Minnesota in overtime. So they just think we've got the team we just need a few pieces to get over that hump. Do you have the team? Or is it fool's I, gold? <clears throat> no, I think we have the team. I, I mean, you don't win 13 games back-to-back years not having a good core. I think they've just been in – I don't want to say it's just bad luck, but it is. It, you just had really fluky plays. We won't even talk about the no-call. But you've had fluky plays that just kind of torpedoed seasons for us. Um, but I think that on offense and defense, we've got the core players to go all the way. There's no reason they can't beat any of the teams that have won the Super Bowl the past three years. So, Alan, let me pose this to you then. I mean, I mean, you kind of just answered my question. But, well, I mean, if you look at the middle of the season, the past three mm-hmm. years – Anyone would be right in saying that, man, New Orleans looks like a Super Bowl team right now. The way they put away opponents, the way they're so consistent, Drew Brees under center, the way he's just masterful at the line. What is it that, why is it that, uh, you know, three years in a row, when, you know, early in the playoffs, none of them have happened. um, Well, man, I guess a few of them have happened a little bit later, but what is it that makes you. Or, or that you see, rather, um, that kind of says, you know, maybe the Saints, well, why aren't the Saints having that much success in the playoffs as opposed to their regular season? What's what's happening? And is it in any way related to Drew Brees? Um, I'll, I'll answer the second half of that question first. Okay. I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with Drew Brees. I think it has a lot to do with Injuries at key times at the end of the season. Um, You look at 2018, I think the offensive line got pretty beat up. It was exposed against Dallas, um, the the lack of depth. And by the time they got into the postseason, I think you saw a tired team play the Eagles and then go up against the Rams. That doesn't excuse them not getting over the hump, but I think that's what you saw. In Minnesota – both games, I think the Saints kind of came out. They came out flat in Minnesota in 2017, 
They expended a lot of energy to get back into the game, take the lead late, and they did this in all three games. They have always taken the lead late in the ball game with less than a minute to go in the game, and the defense just gives up the plays. Or something happens, like the Minneapolis miracle, that you know, you're just you're just sitting there stunned. Like, how did it just happen? We had this game. What just happened? So I guess it's about being healthy at the end of the season. And it's also about getting maybe that playmaker to add to the offense or the defense to kind of close out the game so the other team is not within a one-score possibly win the game kind of position right so uh, well, let me ask you this then what can the saints do or even what have they done to take that next step to assure that that doesn't happen because i mean other than mm-hmm. you know obviously tom brady now being in our division a tampa bay buccaneer i mean there's there's so much turnaround i think mm-hmm. we all feel atlanta's not very dependable I mean, every year everyone hypes them up and then they kind of fizzle out. But, I mean, everyone rightfully this year is probably going to have the Saints as their favorite to win the NFC South. Mm -hmm. So have the Saints done anything to remedy that and and make sure that they're able to finally capitalize on this window that they're in? I think you saw with, with the signing of Emmanuel Sanders, I think that's one of the first steps they took to address a playmaker problem. Um, Last year, everybody's aware that Michael Thomas set the NFL record for most receptions. That was partially due to the fact that he was our only dependable receiver. I mean, Ted Ginn, you guys are familiar with Ted Ginn when he was a Carolina Panther. We got the full Ted Ginn experience. 2017, we got the Ted Ginn. He caught everything. Yeah, he was awesome. First round pick the Dolphins got way back when. 2018, we got the injured Ted Ginn. And 2019, we got the Ted Ginn who had all world speed and all neighborhood hands. Uh, so, you know, you get that full experience in three years. Can I ask and, you a question on that? Yeah. So the Ted Ginn part of it is mm-hmm. something that I've always been intrigued by. I think that um, over the past three years, you you haven't seen Drew Brees fall off a cliff, but you have seen his deep ball not be there as much. Like, as far as, like, well, like, you know, he like mm-hmm. 2017, you mentioned Ted Ginn was there catching everything. Yeah. I think that you're seeing like even when you see Michael Thomas's receptions, his average air yards are, mm-hmm. are like pretty on the bottom half of the league as far as that. Mm-hmm. So but what that's meaning is they're using Michael Thomas effectively, getting him on those quick slant routes and getting the ball in his hands and allowing him to do the work instead yeah. of, you know, putting everything on Drew Brees shoulder. Um but but as far as that, do you think that it's a Ted Ginn drop off, or do you feel like it's a mixture of also the the Drew Brees age catching up to him? Because inevitably that's going to happen. Yeah, that's a that's an argument that Saints fans have been having uh, probably since the Minnesota game uh, yeah. that Drew Brees' arm is not what it was. And if you go back and say, okay, compared to two thousand nine, two thousand eleven, yeah, it's Obviously. not. Yeah, but I mean that's a I don't decade think ago that he can't throw the deep ball. I don't think. He can, the thing is, I don't think he can throw the deep ball that many times in a game. He Definitely. may throw it three to four times deep in a game, whereas five, seven years ago, he'd throw it five to seven times deep in a game. Um, but <clears throat> the lack of a speed receiver is one thing that definitely hurt them. 
Uh, I don't think he, he trusted Ted Ginn. And, and outside of that, Traquan Smith has not panned out to be the kind of receiver we thought he'd be. Then you're talking about guys like Austin Carr and uh, Little Jordan Humphreys and just a bunch of no names. And Taysom Hill. Let's be. <laughs> well, and that's why Taysom Hill is who Taysom exactly. Hill is. Yeah. You know, you've got your third string quarterback out there catching passes because you really have no other receiving threats. Yeah. So it, let's see what happens with Emmanuel Sanders. Um, now, he's 32 years old. Uh, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. I think he is going to be one of those guys that we need to conserve him for the end of the season. Uh, you know, you let him catch about two to three balls a game, uh, but you really need to rely on him at the end of the season. And I still think they go get a receiver in this draft. Um, rumors are that, you know, Sean Payton treats future draft picks like money burning a hole in his pocket. If he thinks he can get one of those top three receivers that fall, you know, and I'm talking about rugs mainly, less of Lamb and uh, Jordan uh, Judy. Um, but if he can get a hold of one of those guys, you see those guys slip out of the top 10, go into the teens, maybe the early 20s. I don't think they'll fall that far. But if they get into the teens, I think Sean Payton tries to go get one of those guys What's to really start getting year? some vertical threats out there. What's your um, pick? So we're not so relying on Taysom Hill. What? Are you able to rely on? Isn't he a free agent now? Well, he's a restricted free agent. So uh, they, anybody they can make a, an offer, but they're required to match it if they want to take it. Is that yeah, what yeah, yeah. And they put a first round tender on him too. So you know, if if somebody does make an offer on him, we get that first round pick. So yeah. it's kind of really trying to discourage that. They'd like to hold on to him. Um. So. But back to your initial question, let's see what happens with Breeze. I think he probably can put the ball out a little bit further than what he's done with Michael Thomas. But I think you need receivers that threaten the defense to give him the opening so he can go ahead and, and push the ball downfield. What's your draft pick this year? We're 24th. 24th. You know, he, yeah. he picked Brandon Cooks that year real high. Yeah, Sean they went out and got him. And, and that was... Um, a good pick. Yeah, it was a good pick. It didn't pan out for, like, have the long-term No, you know, not Well, they got that, Michael Thomas with such a bargain. It was so hard to justify you, keeping Cooks on the book. You weren't going to pay both of them. Right. No. They made they made the decision they were going to pay uh, Thomas, and they traded. And they Cook made him wait. Longer. And they still made yeah. him wait. Are yep. they going to do the same thing to uh, Kamara? Do you think Kamara holds out? Uh, the Kamara's going to be interesting. He had a down year last year. Now he was hurt. He said he, he played on one year. leg all year. That's but what I heard. but the part of that, that, but I think that plays more to why he would hold out because now injuries, I mean, ha are now becoming an, not an issue for him, but they're becoming a reality more than anything. So same thing everybody's telling <laughs> Christian McCaffrey to do, saying like, why would you go and produce at that level on a rookie contract and be the like basically be uh, such a big part of an offense that has gotten gotten close to the Super Bowl every year you've been there. So yeah. um, I, I, what's the draft? Or I guess what's the cap situation for you guys? And is it possible to have everybody that you guys have to pay and keep Kamara on the books? That Well, again, that's going to be interesting because how much do you pay a running back in the NFL today? It's, uh, that's, it's undervalued. I think uh, I think people don't value it as much, but I think the difference, same thing with Christian McCaffrey, is you're not just dealing with a running back with Kamara. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with 
especially in that offense with not if they don't draft a wide receiver you're dealing with the number two wide receiver with Kamara at that point yeah exactly yeah so again if let's just say they make a move in the draft and they draft a running back now Kamara loses all his leverage Mm -hmm. because uh you know they can just say I got this guy right here we're gonna go to we're gonna let we're gonna just trade you and let somebody let you become somebody else's problem, just like Brandon Cooks. So, I mean, I think as, as a if you ask me today, given the roster, they pay Kamara, but that can change rapidly. And then I don't know a few weeks, right? And I don't know what you pay him because if you wonder why the Rams dumped Gurley on the Falcons, essentially, it's that same basic reason. They paid him a lot of money. They're up against the cap. They need some flexibility, and Gurley's got arthritic knees. Mm-hmm. You lost to production. You thought he was playing an MVP level last year. Oh, I'm sorry, two years ago, two 2018. Years ago. Yeah, um, and now you're getting rid of him because you committed the money to him when he was producing at a high level. So that's the dilemma you always have at running back. Yeah, but and there's that- a couple of things there. One, I mean. That is all correct information, but like Gurley could still just annihilate the NFC South, as well as Kamara is a, f- a fantastic player, and yeah. and and likewise Christian McCaffrey is that. So I know that is what has happened in the past and what the league does, but for us, I almost want us to extend Christian McCaffrey, just make him the blockbuster deal. With the whole mindset of we're going to use you as a running back until we just use you as a receiver. You just have to be careful how many touches you give him, Um, you know, because running backs run into that wall where they just start getting injured now because they've had so many hits they've taken over the years. And if you, you know, how many touches I think um, McCaffrey had, he had over 300 last year. He is, but was on the field for like 99.9% of the plays. Yeah. He was our entire offense. (laughs) I don't don't know if you uh, saw a Panthers game, but we were pretty bad. And Christian McCaffrey was a ray of light and uh, a, a dark hole. Pretty well, much so. You know, once once you lost Cam Newton, you need to rely on Kyle Allen. He only no. had so many games in him. Uh, and then you got to see why he was not a top recruit, top draft pick in a game. I mean, or a draft a, pick, period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, he's a guy that's going to win you three, four, five games, but you can't rely on him long term. I mean, his his flaws are... And arguably not win you those games, but be part of three, four, five wins. Yes. <laughs> well, well, you've got another one um, with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, we'll get to Teddy got- Bridgewater in just a moment. Let's continue uh, <laughs> with the free agent talk. Is that you added Mal- Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about P.J. Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I think I saw one other name, Justin Hardy cornerback so you've you've kind of recycled it seems like some of the depth players in the secondary brought in Malcolm Jenkins which brings you know that a veteran presence as well as didn't he used to play for the Saints he did he was a first round draft choice of ours back in 2009 um 
I think, and we lost Von Bell, the the safety, the strong safety, the guy we drafted, the same draft we took Michael Thomas in. Um, but, and he went to Cincinnati because they basically made him an offer. And this is what happened with us with Mark Ingram. They made him an offer. Von Bell said, I don't want that. I want more. And they said, well, go see if you can find it. And in the meantime, they signed Jenkins and DJ Swearinger. Um, I think Jenkins signing, though, was less about getting a starter, but more about getting somebody to get that secondary kind of organized back there. Um, What Roman Harper did for the Carolina Panthers. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, he and Jenkins and Harper played together with the Saints back then. Um, Yeah, because, you know, you look at Marshawn Lattimore, that is an all-pro elite-level player who doesn't play at that level every week. And we've talked about, you know, with the Minneapolis miracle, the mistakes that um, um, the safety, yeah, Marcus Williams made. Um, and then now we have Janaris Jenkins playing the other corner. We, we let Eli Apple go. Um, but they wanted somebody back there to kind of get these people organized and teach them how to be professionals, teach them how to prepare yourself every week because every week matters in the NFL, regardless of the record of the team you're playing. And uh, I, that's, that, that, I think that's the real reason they brought Jenkins back. So last year, though, your defense to me was the real reason you were as good as you guys were, mm-hmm. right? Is that yeah. um, there's some you know questions surrounding Drew Brees, injuries with Kamara, Sometimes the offense, it wasn't the Saints that we've known for the last decade, that is, where it's driven by the offense. I really felt that was a defensive-driven team, and it was strange to see. How do you think that this defense is? Is it going to maintain there? Is it going to, are you guys plateaued? And do you guys still have our old, do you have A.J. Klein still? No, no. AJ Klein he went left. To the Bills, didn't he? Uh, yes, he went, to- went to the Bills. He went was a Bills. pretty good player, wasn't he? He was. He uh, he got. He was a lot better than what Saints thought of him. Saints fans thought of him. They uh, thought of him as Luke Kuechly's backup. The, and we had a guy named Scott Shanley used to play for us in the Super Bowl years, and um, it was the same thing with AJ Klein. He made plays, but it just didn't feel like he was that impact player. You look at a guy like Demario Davis. You look at a guy like Luke Kuechly for you guys. You know, here's a guy that was around the ball all the time. Um, But Klein was just one of those guys who just, he knew what he could do. He was aware of his limitations and didn't make mistakes out there. That's that's, such a great thing to have on a team. And just because they're not a star, they're not a bum, though. Uh, he was really a good player for you guys, and I, I think he worked out better than I even thought he could. I did, too. I did, too. I, I, I defended him a lot because I just thought he was a very smart player, and you, 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 have, you need those kind of guys. You know, you're not going to be able to put, a, uh, like you're playing Madden and just put superstars all over the field and, and just go out there and play. It just doesn't work that way. But you need those guys who may be physically limited but have the intelligence to put themselves in a position. They understand what the offense is doing, and they're not going to make mistakes out there and expose the defense. Um, but to answer your question, Tony, 
strength of this team is still in that defensive line. Cameron Jordan, we've got Marcus Davenport, who has to play a full season. But, you know, if, if he can grow up and play a full season, he's a great other defensive end. Um, you've got Sheldon Rankins, who was coming off of the Achilles injury, then dislocated his foot at the end of the season. Uh, but he's another first-round pick. And then Malcolm Brown, a guy we picked up from New England last year, uh, kind of as a run-stuffer, and he pushed the pocket a good bit. So I, I, that helped the Saints keep that number one ranking, I guess, against the run last year. Uh, I don't think they've given up a 100-yard rusher in 18 games, 17 don't, games. Something. Don't say that. Last time they said that about the Panthers, we we fell off a cliff. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I worry. That's why I try not to think about those those streaks but yeah <laughs> i'm like i'm like yeah just just don't jinx it now because like, we were doing that for so long we had this huge streak mm-hmm. and then the moment they made a big deal about it it just went it went <laughs> gone it was gone forever exactly but that's really the strength of that team is the front the front four and then demario davis and if that secondary can just play consistently back there um they'll they'll have a bend but don't break and if you can limit teams to field goals and keep it always within one score, Breeze is going to get you that touchdown or get you the points you need to win the game at the end. Uh, so it's an it's a interesting way this team is built now compared to the way it was, oh, 10 years ago when we were just a video game offense and just hanging 40 points on people every week. Have you had uh, any time at all to – think about what the Saints um, should do in the first few rounds of the draft. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know you kind of spoke about some receiving options a little bit. Um, and By the way, and if you do need receivers, there could not be a better draft to get one than the one coming up. I mean, everyone, um, I work for drafttech.com for the Carolina Panthers. I actually had to ghostwrite for the Saints uh, just recently, and we had y'all taking Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma, yeah, uh, which I think would be a great a great compliment to that stingy defense that you have. But Absolutely. Um, do, do you have some some idea of some players or some or at least positions to you know get real general that the Saints um, should really be looking at to help push them over that edge of ter- yeah. you know f- bad final plays in the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, we don't have a second round pick this year because we traded that away last year to move up to go get the center that we have, our Eric McCoy, um, who replaced Max Unger, who retired. Uh, so you've only got a pick in the first and the third round. Uh, the first round, I think there's three positions they're looking at cornerback, linebacker and receiver. Um you know, I mentioned Ruggs. That's the dream. But I think Murray is a great choice at linebacker. Patrick Queen from LSU is somebody the Saints fans are drooling over because of LSU. Right. Um, but, you know, cornerback to C.J. Henderson falls you know, where they can go up and go get him. They would love to get him because, again, like with Kamara, they picked up the fifth-year option now on Marcus Lattim- uh, Marshawn Lattimore. And Jenkins, Janaris Jenkins, is 32 years old. If they decide they want to go in a different direction with either cornerback, getting a guy in the first round possibly could give them the leverage they need to make a decision with either of those players. So, you know, don't be surprised with that. But I, I'm I'm leaning towards, like you, linebacker in the first round. 
And I think in that that third round pick, I think is where you get your receiver. And I think they go to Ohio State. There, you know, we make jokes over because we have so many Ohio State players on our team. We're the Ohio State Saints, and they're the New Orleans Buckeyes. Maybe Um, KJ Hamler for you. I'm thinking uh, KJ Hill from. um, Yeah, Hill. That's that. that, That's who I mean. yeah, I knew, I knew it was a KJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. KJ, KJ Hill, KJ Hill, the receiver, because uh, he's a good slot receiver. Um, and I think with you, you, know, you have Thomas and Sanders on the outside, having that dependable slot receiver. Because you think about what Lance Moore used to do with this offense. He used right. to kill people on on third down conversions. You get a good slot receiver in there who can make some plays. I think that's that. Those are the positions the Saints are looking heavily at. And a uh, position you guys really haven't been able to figure out, strangely, for all the years that you've had all of these guys in the background that seem to have all this potential. I'm thinking mm-hmm. Kenny Stills, right? Wasn't he with you mm-hmm. guys? There's yes, just always been the, there's somebody that went to the Ravens. I feel that might have been Stills even. I mean, but the no, there's Sneed, always Willie yeah, yeah Willie Sneed. There's always yeah. been this rotation of guys that. The name sounds like, man, they're about to be something, and they haven't stuck. So figuring that out could go a long way for you. And I don't it, know if it'll be there, but maybe even um, Jalen Rigger from TCU. Before hmm. all, the, all, all the speed buzz happened on Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rigger was looked at as the as the as one of the faster, speedier slot receivers in, in this year's draft. So that might be another name to, to consider. And I'll throw out Van Jefferson from Florida. Oh, too. I, I love Van. Je- his that is probably my my sleeper pick uh-huh. uh, for this year. His route running is just beautiful. He doesn't and, have any yeah. high end physical attributes, mm-hmm. but man, he just will run the hell out of a route. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, this this is a great receiving core to draft from. Um, so you don't have to grab one in that first round. You can wait. And not having a second-round pick is not going to hurt them if they wait to receive her later in the draft. Uh, so, you know, that's why I'm leaning more towards cornerback or linebacker in that first round. Uh, but I will guarantee one thing. They will trade up at some point. I don't know when it's going to happen, but yeah. if they, they Sean Payton's aggressive, an aggressive play caller. He's an aggressive day on, aggressive guy on draft day. All right, here's your opportunity. Tell mm-hmm. us, we have talked and talked in circles on our show uh, about Cam Newton, and then uh, Teddy Bridgewater enters the the dance with us. He cuts mm-hmm. in. He cuts in on our Cam Newton dance, <laughs> in the eighth grade dance. But tell us from the outside, as we've argued with each other and dealt with We've been in our feelings. What should we think right now if we're the fans of the Carolina Panthers getting Teddy Bridgewater and seeing Cam Newton leave? Temper your curb your enthusiasm. That's probably the biggest one. What uh, enthusiasm? Yeah, the good news is yeah. curbed already. <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, I've already gone I, to the dump. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. You have you have to keep in the back of your head the dreaded word rebuild, because I think you know that's very realistic for you guys. It that's not necessarily a bad thing. That doesn't condemn you to a a tank bowl or anything like that. I think with Teddy Bridgewater, you've got a competent game manager 
who can make plays when he needs to. He's not going to get you beat. He's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to turn the ball over. You can get frustrated if he takes sacks or throws the ball away, but he is a guy who is not going to get you beat. If you're going to lose, it's because of your lack of depth. You know, it's not going to be because of your offense. And I think with the receivers you've got, uh, with Christian McCaffrey, I, I think he's going to help you guys win a lot of games that you probably won't think you're going to win. It's going to be nerve-wracking because it's going to be those 20-17 to 17 kind of games. But um, I think those that's the kind of quarterback you have with Bridgewater. And, and, you know, under normal circumstances, that would be fine. Like if we had a loaded roster like we've had in years past or if we were the – uh, you know, the Vikings or the Saints even, and, and you know, we just need, not every uh, team has to have uh, a badass elite level quarterback. Also, so, I mean, if but, our Jimmy, previous quarterback's name wasn't Cam Newton, that would have well, I mean, my point is Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. was in the Super Bowl last year. No, I don't think anyone would have Jimmy Garoppolo in their top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah. The problem is, man, Cam Newton behind our offensive line had to make so much magic where there was none to be had. Yep. I worry about a less mobile Teddy Bridgewater. And I'm not holding this against him, but people forget that the dude's knee exploded like a bomb on a non-contact play. The dude almost lost his leg from the knee down. I, I mean, I'm not – I mean, everyone wants to root for him because, you know, like I said, the, he almost never had the chance to play football. Uh, again, after the injury, but you know, to most Panther fans, or at least to myself, I, I feel that you know Teddy isn't going to make this football team better than the least of its parts. He's not going to be a playmaker. Uh, his right. his knee is fine. He is actually more mobile than you think. Um, he's deceptively mobile, uh, and he's got a good arm. You know, it, it's his my issue has always been with him is I think he holds up all too long. That's what I thought, too, is that it really looks like it takes a long time for it to develop. Yeah. And yeah, it's not is. that he's not going through his progressions. It's just it no. feels long. Yes. Yes. So, you know, if your offensive line is porous, which it is, you know, yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be frustrating as anything. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see what kind of offense you guys run with uh, Joe Brady running it. That's the next I mean, question I was going to line up for you is, you know, you're right I, there. So go ahead, CK. Before we move from Bridgewater, I was going to ask, I've been known to say this before we signed Teddy Bridgewater, mm -hmm. when the organization was saying that Taysom Hill was the future for the Saints and everything. I made statements saying that if, Bra if Brees doesn't retire and they don't keep Bridgewater, it's going to be a mistake for the future of that franchise. Um, there, and I, maybe it's just me, but there was a reason that Teddy Bridgewater was the number two above Taysom Hill, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so to say Taysom Hill was the future when you had a guy you valued higher than him at the number two slot, mm -hmm. a, a little weary about that. I was really thinking that Breeze was going to retire. I thought for sure he was. I thought Teddy Bridgewater coming in there, handling things. Yes, he didn't light the scoreboard up. 
And I tell people exactly what you said, temper your expectations with him because he didn't come in and win five games. He came in and there, kept them in the game to allow the yep. team to win. Um, there might be a dominant performance in there every now and again, but you know, all in all, he wasn't that guy who just came in there and just took over the offense and was saying, you know, we won because of me. He's not going to get the game on those games nine times out of ten. Um, we won, I was going to say, we won games 10 to 9 and 12 to 9. Would you agree? Exactly. Exactly. Would you agree with this statement? And it's something that I've said. The Saints' offense is so complicated. That is why you don't see them draft new quarterbacks. You know, you see them get a lot of times you see them get Mm -hmm. the veteran quarterbacks who are backups, Mm -hmm. um, such as a Bridgewater, somebody who's been in the game, who understands defenses and uh, how offenses are supposed to run and things like that. Your offense is very complicated. The the Saints offense is. And it's hard for any new quarterback to learn. So I thought that letting Teddy Bridgewater walk after he came in and he was able to fill that void for those five games after learning that offense, I thought was a big mistake. And then when we when we signed him, I was like, "It's a big mistake for us to let Cam Newton go." But you know, I just felt like with what you guys had, I I just was thinking Teddy Bridgewater was for sure going to be the way to keep you guys from just having that window shut on you when Drew Brees left. I think uh, twenty eighteen again changed everything. Yeah, because I I think if the Saints go on to go to the Super Bowl that year, win or lose, Brees retires after that season. Yeah, uh, and that's why Bridgewater was brought in in 2017. When we, it didn't happen, and the way they lost, Breeze was like, "Okay, I'm gonna go one more time." And according to legend, according to rumor, at the Pro Bowl this year, he was talking. Breeze was to his teammates there. You know, this is going to be my last Pro Bowl. I'm probably going to hang it up after the end of this year, and. That was why Russell Wilson let Breeze start that Pro Bowl. I remember that. Yeah. And the rumors all flew again. And he sat and thought about it. And then he's coming back one more time because, again, with that core, I don't think Breeze wants to see that team go on to the Super Bowl and he's home. Like, that could have been the year. uh, That could be me. He wants to have no regrets when he retires. He'd love to retire. Like, like. Elway and Peyton Manning did. If he retires, do you guys, do you feel like you still have the ability to get there with what you have? Well, um, actually, well, well, if I may, yeah. Um, yeah. that, that kind of transitions to a different question I had to you. When do the Saints start thinking about the future of that position? Because, by the way, I mean, so my brother is a diehard Saints fan. So I have these conversations with him all the time. And it it was a very big and I believe well-known rumor, which, by the way, thank God this did not happen. But uh, Sean Payton really liked Patrick Mahomes. And if Patrick Mahomes didn't go 10 to the Chiefs, he was going to be in this division. And like I said, thank everything holy that did not happen. That's 100% true. It's 100% true. I bring up a a, a, a a player like Jordan Love, who this year is drawing a lot of the Patrick Mahomes comparisons. Mm-hmm. Huge arm. He's a little bit taller than Patrick. You would be able to let him sit behind Drew Brees for however long he has left. You know, you already said there aren't a ton of real glaring holes on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if a player like a Jordan Love or a Justin Herbert 
did fall to 24, is there the possibility that in this year or next year's draft, New Orleans takes a meaningful look at the future of that position and life after Drew Brees? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we started the show talking about PJ Williams coming back, um, them signing, um, uh, renegotiating the contract on Janaris Jenkins, bringing back Patrick Robertson. Absolutely, because they want to make sure that they're not in a position on draft day where I have to get this guy or I have right. to get this position. Uh, so if they want to, if they want to burn some assets and move up to go get one of those quarterbacks, I would not be surprised. Lamar Jackson yeah. was uh, was on their on their list too. Um, when they traded up to get Marcus Davenport, uh, ESPN or NFL Network, I forgot who I was watching, were all talking about this is when the Saints are going to get Lamar Jackson. They're getting Lamar Jackson right now to get as a quarterback of the future, and, and they had all the profile, and they were showing video footage of everything. And then they get Marcus Davenport, and they're all scrambling now. You can hear the paper paper shuffling. Uh, uh, Davenport uh, played at, um, 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 you know, you know, it was one of those things. So yeah. it, their little bug in their ear told them, "Hey, this is the Saints are making this move for this quarterback." So yeah, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. They do want a quarterback. Um, they, I don't care what they say about Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is a gadget player, a utility player. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be 30 years old because he did his Mormon mission. Um, right. I, he is not a consistent passer. I think he's getting better, but he is a guy who is going to run the football. You're going to be running the read option kind of offense. And as you guys saw with Cam Newton, you can only take so many hits. And uh, he had a consistent injury history at BYU. Yep, exactly. I mean, that's why he never had the type of stats and numbers because he would start a great season and mm -hmm. then just get hurt. Yep. He had two separated shoulders in college. And it's just, I mean, he's built like a truck. I mean, I've yeah. seen this person. Uh, Taysom's a badass. There, there's no doubt about it. Oh, he, I love him. Uh, he is the most, and he, and he runs over people like, you know, this is the last play he's ever going to play in professional football. Um, he, he's an unbelievable athlete. But that's I hate that smile. He Every time he, he, he makes a play on us, that smile afterwards is just like, I'm just like, I want to slap <laughs> him in the face right now. <laughs> and we love it. We love it because oh, we yeah. just, sure you do. Oh. just like you guys probably hated Cam Newton's Super Superman. Oh, when, yeah, you know, we, we did. did. It's we the same did. thing, you know. It's just yeah. like we love it when it happens, but when it happens against us, it's like, oh gosh, I hate this. Yeah, guy. <laughs> I mean, when you see him truck a defensive back, it's just it's sheer joy. It really is. But you know, but at the same time, you're watching this going, there's no way he can do this as a starting quarterback. You truck a defensive back, everybody in the stadium's holding their breath because oh my god, you just separated your passing shoulder, you're gonna be out for the rest of the season. Our season's doomed. You can't do that. You really can't. So I think they're gonna String him along and let him think he's going to be a starter, but I would not be surprised to see him go get a quarterback in the draft. And you're right. Going back to your initial statement, CK, it's uh this offense is very difficult to learn. It takes a good two to three years to really master it. Uh, all the verbiage, all the knowledge. And Sean Payton was on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw this the other night. Uh Sean Payton's on Twitter. Somebody asked a question, what are your favorite plays to run? 
And he, Sean Payton jumps in and starts throwing all the plays that the Saints like to run, what they ran and the verbiage they use and everything else. It was amazing. You know, they have for, for stacked sets, they use terms like Quiznos, Subway, JJ, because they want a tight, tight bunch, you know, and he's explaining how the routes run. And all the Saints fans are like, shh, coach, don't be putting this stuff out on the Internet. <laughs> and, you, and you're seeing memes of guys copying papers as Falcon fans be like, you know, copying. <laughs> so it, it was a lot of fun. If you can, if you can search that out, it, it was a lot of fun to see. But uh, it does take a long time to master. Well, that is a good segue to this question, and I, I'm going to pose it. Cody Lashney is uh, very excited about the addition of Joe Brady to this mm-hmm. Matt Rule coaching squad. Well, because Co- I saw tell what him. Joe Brady did. Okay. Oh, no, my, no. I'm going to give you your spot. Here's your moment. In the national champion. Tell yeah. Alan what we have in Joe Brady. Tell Alan, and then I want Alan to say, tell me <laughs> if he's right. Well, I, I mean, granted, so a lot of the uh, same talk about Joe Burrow is kind of going to be the same talk about Joe Brady. You really only have this one magical season to, uh, uh, from LSU to mm-hmm. judge based off of. But, I mean, a 30-year-old dude, I, I even think I'm a little bit older than him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's the uh, – if you look at what LSU did, man, I mean, it is a lot of the Saints offense. I mean, Sean mm-hmm. Payton said so himself. And I, I think mm-hmm. it's a very quarterback-friendly system. And that's why I would have loved to have seen – Cam Newton in that system. I mean, we've wanted Cam Newton to have that play caller forever, like Drew Brees does have Sean Payton, and that has benefited him in, in, in his career. Um, you know, I think Panther fans are hopeful that, you know, if we do land our franchise quarterback at some point, be it Bridgewater or a quarterback next year, that Joe Brady is going to be an asset for a long time to come uh, for the for the Carolina Panthers. So do you have an opinion on him as to, um, you know, what you think he'll be able to do for us? I, I Well, here's the thing. Okay. You got to keep in mind when you watched LSU play, right? that was the saints offense versus college football players. So, you know, you're running route concepts and receiver concepts against college players that maybe 20% of them will make it in the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the schedule, throughout the whole schedule for all the teams LSU played. I mean, outside of Alabama and Georgia, you know, when you're playing, let's just say Kentucky, or if you're playing um, Vanderbilt, you know, a lot of those guys aren't going to go to to the pros. That being said, it's a good quarterback-friendly offense. I think that's why Bridgewater went there, because he is familiar with the verbiage. He's familiar with the concepts. Um, it's just going to take some time for him and the receivers to get on the same page. Um, and a lot of it's going to depend on the blocking of that offensive line oh, to no. give him the time to go through his progressions. Because the fun first thing you have to realize about the Saints offense and what the Panthers are going to do, it – runs deep to shallow your reads you are looking deep then your middle 
and you always have an outlet on the shallow. Very Bruce Arians. Yes, someone's come. Someone's swinging out of the backfield. Somebody is running an underneath route. A lot of clear out patterns and things like that. So, and it's all also going to be important that your receivers master all the all the routes. They have to be able to play the X, the Y, and the Z. They can't just be the X. They they're not going to sit outside the whole time um, because you want to run multiple plays from the same formation, but play you know. Let's just say that the Saints' most popular one is 11. That's um, three wides, a tight, one back, breeze, and a shotgun. That's the 11. They call it posse, but that's the 11 formation. That is a typical Saints route. You probably have seen that formation a dozen times watching Saints games. But Michael Thomas might be at the X. He could be in the slot. They could have a tight end lined up wide. They could do all kinds of things. So you as a defense recognize, okay, they're in an 11 formation, but all the receivers are in a different position. You know, you could have Christian McCaffrey come out and line up wide, and you have a tight end in the backfield. All those things, and that's the part that's going to take a while for the offense to, to, to gel and figure out how everything is supposed to work. So the thing that I have is I'm 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 excited about these the the staff they're putting together. I like the idea mm-hmm. of young guys making their name, people that have, you know, that are ready to grind and make a career. I'm excited about that, but the concern I have particularly about Joe Brady is that when I hear these things about installing the Saints offense, what he did at LSU, familiarity with Teddy Bridgewater, I, I am a little hesitant to – we don't know a lot about him. We don't know – you know, we saw him in a very important role, it seemed like, at LSU. At least that's what everybody's been telling me is, like, he's kind of <laughs> the guy behind, like, the curtain in that case for the passing offense and things like fourth downs or third downs or whatever. But mm-hmm. to me, I think um, when you become a manager, essentially – you know, is that when you're offensive coordinator, now you're in charge of other people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where he's going to really have – that's where the learning curve is going to be for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's one thing to uh, to call plays. It's another thing to call the right plays at the right times. And I think that's where – it's going to be a learning curve for him as well. Hiring the right guys to be with you, doing that type of thing, setting the right tone, the right temperature. And I'm not saying he's not, he's going to fail at it or, or it won't do well at it. He could be amazing at it, but that is um, one of my reservations. The other reservation is this, is how much do you, how much experience as one year as assistant? We look, our head coach has really only had one year as an assistant in the NFL. Joe Brady, one year as an assistant. How much do you value that moment there, or are we overvaluing it at all? I I don't know where to go with that because um, that's one of those things where they got to prove themselves and they got to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, Sean McDermott, his first year as a head coach in Buffalo, he was terrible. I think we scored six touchdowns on the ground on him. Um, We destroyed Buffalo in Buffalo. And last year they were in the playoffs. And really they were a couple of mistakes away from advancing to the divisional round against Kansas City. 
So, it, it, you know, it, it, it's going to be a learning curve. There's going to have to be a level of patience with them uh, and see what happens. I would be shocked, and this is not a knock on you guys, but I would be shocked if they, I don't know, do a, uh, <coughs> a, Los, a Los Angeles Rams McVay kind of transformation. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be much more of a traditional curve. Gradual. Where you're going to, yeah, where you're going to see he's going to have to take time to build a team. And David Tepper has already alluded to as much. Yeah. I mean, he has basically said those, I mean, those similar types of words, you know, that you know, this isn't going to turn around soon. I mean, listen, I already said I'm a Clemson fan. I don't know if you see the banner above my head. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I wear my bias on my sleeve. If it's not going to be Cam Newton, I'm hoping that Trevor Lawrence is going to be. I was going to say. Quarterback for the Panthers, man. I mean, that's, that's what I'm hoping and praying for, but. Again, I mean, as you see with the the Dolphins last year, they did everything in their power to tank, and they still couldn't get the number one pick. So no. there, is, there are no guarantees in the NFL, let alone the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, do do you feel like this is the last year of uh, of a window for for you guys, or, or do you feel as though? I mean, obviously, so much of this question is on Drew Brees and mm-hmm. be under center for the next few years. But how long are, are, are you in a window right now? And are you at the end of that window? I, I can't answer that really honestly, because right. I, I think it all depends on what they do as far as a quarterback of the future. I think if you, if the saints, the way they're built right now, if, Breeze retires, and then you go to Taysom Hill. You'd be very hard pressed to win. Definitely hard pressed to win thirteen games, much less win the division again and advance in the playoffs. Are there real uh, chances of that happening, or is that just kind of lip service from Peyton about Hill? I I think it's lip service. Um, okay. I, I really think I that sure gonna go hope so. Guy. I sure hope so. Well, actually, I, really I don't hope so. Good. I hope that you guys have him. You know, I hope he's signed to a five-year, $100 million deal. Uh, no, it's not going to be anything like that. But I do think, I even if, even if they say, <coughs> excuse me, even if they do say, okay, you're going to be our quarterback of the future, but we're going to bring a guy in to compete against you. Uh, I think they will do that. Uh, you know, when you talked about them wanting um, – um, uh, Patrick Mahomes. That was very true. They were they were ready to draft him. Kansas City went up and got him, uh, and they settled on Lattimore. But Mahomes was the the pick all the way. Uh, so you know, and then the the story I said about Lamar Jackson. There was some legs to that rumor that they were going to take Lamar Jackson. So they're always looking at quarterbacks of the future. Uh, Bridgewater was another case. You've got some people. They're insane. But you got some people who are talking about the Saints signing Jameis Winston um, as, a as a backup to try and see if Peyton can fix him. Uh, I don't think that'll happen because I, I think he's got character issues that that the Saints do not like. Um, they're really gun shy now about taking risk on those kind of players. Um, so I think you know Winst- the Winston rumors are just rumors. But uh, I do think they are looking hard at any quarterback to bring in to compete with Taysom as that guy of the future. Is that a Cam Newton option? 
I don't think Cam would like this offense, honestly. Um, there was a story a couple of years ago about Cam not liking a lot of verbiage in the offense. Yeah, uh, he does, He's not a very good play caller by his own admission. He doesn't. He likes one word and two word plays. Uh, and then you know you've heard through NFL films what Saints play calls sound like. Yeah. You know uh, they're long. Uh, I don't know how Breeze remembers it at all, but he does. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's. That's why it takes such a long time to learn this. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I thought before the season began, uh, I mean, before the offseason began, I thought Marcus Mariota was a target, honestly. I thought the Saints were going to try. If there was going to be a rebuild of a player, I thought Mariota was going to be the guy. I don't think Winston would be a guy. I don't think Cam Newton's going to be a guy. Um, I don't know what they'll do. Uh, Jake Fromm is a name I keep hearing. Oh God! Late the draft, the yeah. Blake Bortles out there, right? And Blake Bortles still on the on the market. Yeah, I think Blake Bortles. Actually, is still no, on the Blake Bortles just signed to uh, uh, Tampa. It's Tom oh, Brady back. No, up. no, that wasn't uh, Bortles. It was Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're oh right. God, oh, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, he has uh, a before cam newton what kind of hell do we live in hey listen <laughs> why you guys as a as a as a team should definitely be calling up bill o'brien right now while he's clearly insane and try to get oh Deshaun my god did, did that shock you guys or what i mean you, you oh gosh could, yeah i you saw I, what like the like it was like chump change they didn't get anything for him no and, a- and the vikings got uh king's ransom for stefan Diggs, who wasn't even close to the same caliber as you know as uh uh, we just Hopkins. So yeah, yeah no, it's insane. Uh, and then, and, and you got him, you got David Johnson. That's mm-hmm. the, that was and like know, a fourth round pick or something. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's just, yeah. Uh, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. I mean, on, on Twitter also, but also on YouTube, you know, he, his whole thing was Bill O'Brien's a hack. And that was his, <laughs> that was his mantra, mantra, you know, Brian O'Brien should be fired. And he's a hack. Uh, beginning with that Kansas City game, so uh, I I have friends that live in Houston, um, and they're Saints fans and Texans, and they they I, I was asking if they had sharp objects in the house because they just couldn't believe what what the hell what they happen? did over there. Yeah, and Clemson fan here, I love Deshaun Watson. I, <laughs> he deserves so much better than than Bill O'Brien. And there's a lot of Cam Newton there. And and that you have an incredible quarterback who is so underserviced by the organization around him, I feel, and he's always having to elevate the talent. Then you take away one of the better wide receivers in the NFL away from him. Who are they going to throw the ball to on third down when it's third and ten and you need a play? I mean, it's so stupid, man. That's why the head coach, unless you're Bill Belichick, the head coach of the football team should never also be the general manager. No, you, you don't hire don't hire anybody from New England. That's just my rule. Uh, oh, no. No, don't no, hire no. any coaches, anybody, because Belichick's the, the brains behind everything. All right, so I got to ask you guys, what do y'all think about Tom Brady being in Tampa? That's what I and wanted to turn the conversation to. Perfect. That's fine because you know I'm torn between. Thinking of what I'm old, so I think about Joe Namath with the Rams. I think about Johnny Unitas with the Chargers. You know, Tom Brady's 42 years old. He'd be 43 this year. 
Um, I have a take on this. <laughs> how, yeah. how do you guys feel he's going to be in this offense? Because Bruce Arians' offense is a totally different offense from that Ron Earhart offense he ran over there in uh, in New England. Yeah, it's uh, the the difference in that offense is you know from what he was running in New York or in uh, New England is Arians is an air air the ball out type of a guy mm-hmm. and. Brady has not been that type of a quarterback since he had Randy Moss on, the, on his roster back in 07 or somewhere in there. Yeah, 07. Um, so, I mean, you have not seen Brady be an air raid quarterback in so long. He has won games with his brain, really, if you look yep. at it. Being yep. smart about what he's doing with the ball and everything. The part, the take that I have on this is I love it. And I'll tell you why. And this is not to be a knock on anybody in the NFC South, but I see the window of every other team in the NFC, NFC South as so small now you have two years with brady you have you know depending upon what happens with breeze and if you guys can get a serviceable guy in there to learn underneath him maybe a year or two left for that you know quarterback situation and matt ryan has been on a steady decline since 2016 um arguably debatably i guess you could say and whereas really been the same player which is kind of good and then not so good at other times yeah um, but that that brings me hope that we're getting started on this uh, on this hopefully long term <laughs> solution, <laughs> and we'll get a head start on everybody else. That's my my take with it is that uh, y'all it's gonna be we're gonna be the last in the division for probably a few more years. But I'm hoping that uh, that that ends quickly once we get all those uh, high level quarterbacks out of there. My position <laughs> my position on the Tom Brady scenario is um well first i've said this about tampa last year i put my foot down i go on a weekly radio show and i've been going on there every friday and we do panthers and nfl talk we do picks every week um just not against the spread just straight up pick them and we keep up with it all year me and the host and tampa bay has been fool's gold so many times you know, is that we all have a team that becomes our kind of darling underdog. For me, it's been the Bills a lot in the past where I'm like, mm-hmm. they're a better team than you give them credit for. And you mm-hmm. keep, keep saying that. So we have been so excited about the Bucks. Not we, like I really get excited. But people, you know, there's mm-hmm. they're always kind of exciting around this time of year. And then you see them play. And it's not, and it's not good. Like it doesn't. So I said last year, I'm not going to fall for it again until I see it. I won't believe it. And then they go and get damn Tom Brady. And I'm like, wow, man, this could really do something. Here's where I'm more scared about the bucks. I like, I think it's bad news for the South. I think it's bad news. Uh, I think it would be fantastic if Cam Newton lands in new England and we get a new England versus, Tampa Bay Super Bowl to me that would be the best storyline in the history of the world um Todd Bowles though is the story to me in Tampa Bay their defense going to like fifth in the league from the worst Tom Mm -hmm. Brady now all of a sudden gives you a legitimacy where you were talking about some of the things that uh Teddy Bridgewater could do for an offense that Tampa Bay offense, you know, they p- lost like seven games by one score last year. Uh, Jameis still had insane numbers, right? It's a, and insane number of interceptions as well. So Tom Brady is not going to lose those games for you. 
Right. So, and there's some real talent on that offense. Mike Evans, OJ Howard, the Godwin, man, he, he's amazing too. So Mm -hmm. I think they really have something. I think they have a moment. I think the real question mark with Tampa Bay is going to be Bruce Arians. And what I don't think is, I don't care what his offense is, is you're going to have to do whatever Tom Brady says and can do. And if he's not flexible there, and you know, Tom Brady has enough clout where he has to be flexible Arians there. So that's just my question is, how is that going to work? And are they going to be ahead of the curve or behind on trying to figure that out? One of the things I think is when we were talking about Drew Brees with his his arm declining, I think Brady's arm is declining at a much more rapid pace. I thought Brady last year, he had a dead arm. I didn't think he Yeah, their broke. offense was dead too, and it was hard to tell yeah. if it was Brady entirely. It was both, clearly. But he also yeah. got sacked a lot last year. You never see Tom Brady on his back. Well, and and that's and that's where I jump in with what I think about it. To me, I have no in my mind, I have almost no doubts that Tom Brady will be successful in that Arians offense because I mean, let's be real: football players hear the things that are said about them, mm-hmm. and there's always been that that you know is Tom Brady a system quarterback? Which is kind of a misnomer because every quarterback is a system quarterback if you yeah. break it down. But everyone's always said that, oh, Tom Brady doesn't have the arm talent. And this says to me that if Brady wants to go to Arians, he's wanting to show off. He has a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to you know, show, say, oh, really? I don't have the arm to throw the ball down the field? So it, it says to me that he's motivated to prove people wrong, and that's always dangerous. And I do think Arians is one of the better player callers in the NFL. To me, it comes down to one thing. And in my mind, you know, we had a, a guest on uh, last Tuesday from the Buff What You Heard podcast. And I said to him what I'm about to say. It all comes down to that offensive line. And as of right now, I don't believe they have the offensive line necessary for Tom Brady to be able to do the things required in Bruce Arians' uh, system. So unless they have an offensive line heavy draft, which might happen, but unless they do that, I don't know that Tom Brady is going to have the adequate protection necessary for them to win the NFC South. Well, one thing I think you're going to see a lot of is a lot of national nationally televised games, at least for the Saints. Uh, you know, the media is just going to love Brady versus Breeze. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm expecting Monday night and Sunday night kind of games for those games. Um, but – you know, you talk about Brady's arm strength. I think in September and October, his arm strength is going to be fine. It's December when he's put the ball up in the air 300 times, 400 times, you know, in that offense. I'm curious to see how they work, how he does as the season progresses in that. Which I think is, is interesting because I think that's almost identical to my take on Breeze when you look at 2018. Um, if you look at his stats for that last, you know, month, they were you, you wouldn't have if you didn't have Breeze's name on them, you wouldn't have thought they were his, you yeah. know, at, at all. Um, and I think you guys benefited as as silly as it sounds for his five game absence last year because it, you didn't see him oh, take sure. that dip necessarily. So, sure, I, I agree with that totally. I agree with that totally. You know, he played ten games. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's why the Saints have geared so much towards being a more defensive-oriented team mm-hmm. and invested heavily in the run game. Uh, they've the ball a lot more than he ever had. Um, and that's going to be where Tampa's going to have to go. Yeah. That they're going to have to invest heavily in the run game. Um, go back to how they were. They should have got know, Gurley. Yeah. They really, well, I'm, I expect the, the Bucks to go after a big back this year. Uh, I think they need to have a power running game and let Brady work off that play action. And they may tight ends with the Jets hearing offers on uh, on Le'Veon Bell. You might see a move for them to make uh, towards Le'Veon Bell. I mean, that you think about that. I mean, that would be because uh, the way Brady likes to work, he does a lot of checkdowns. Yeah, and and so I think that having a guy like Le'Veon Bell in the backfield who's very smart and very uh, sneaky would be dangerous in 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 the Bucks uniform. So, or or, or they target someone like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire mm-hmm. from LSU uh, mm-hmm. in the draft, which would be the the perfect uh, running back for that kind of offense. I feel. Well, I think they're going to definitely run a lot of two tight end formations for running and passing. You're going to see Cameron Brait and OJ Howard get a lot of passes thrown to them. Uh, I That's don't know why he's so excited about that team right there. Those yeah. two guys, he's going to get the. Uh, you know who should be the most excited about this is OJ Howard. Yeah, after yeah. languishing last year in Arians' offense that never uses tight ends, that's where I think it's going to have to be on Arians to be the adjustment. He's going to have know. to figure out a change. You this tight end situation, else. this tight end situation will be the best thing to happen to Brady since Hernandez. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I can't would, tell you how much. Would you I say shots know. fired? Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Okay. Shot okay. Um, you can't. I can't tell you how much I wanted Arians get frustrated with OJ Howard and just releasing because I wanted him on the Saints so. Why? Bad. I just I've <laughs> never seen he ruined with my fantasy football team this year because I thought I got a steal with oj howard and everybody was right man as soon as arians came oj howard yeah. is a nobody that's that's why you need you need an offensive coordinator that likes to use the tight ends uh and i think oj howard with tom brady because tom brady's going to push for that yeah it, it, it's going to be a change and i think they run a lot of two tight end formations where he can run the ball and run play action and go to his tight ends down the scene that's where right. that's where brady's going to make his living all right, um, that is that's all my questions, guys. If anybody has any last things, man, we can go ahead and wrap this sucker up. Enjoy winning the NFC South for one more year because when we draft Trevor Lawrence, it's over, oh, good sir. There we go. It is there over, we go. good sir. There we go. Here we go. That's well, assuming I- we can build a wall, Cody. <laughs> yeah. so, 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 Cody, you're you're hoping for the tank bowl. Yeah, uh, you hey, we've already been, hey, listen, we've already been through two seasons where our expectations started astronomically high about the, the roster and Cam Newton just to have the wind just utterly removed from our sails. So, I, listen, I'm, I'm more open to going into a season with no hopes and expectations and one more terrible year if it means getting our franchise for the next 15, 20 years. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for one more bad season. Well, I have one question for you guys. Um, where do you think Cam Newton ends up? That's, that's my only question. I, I still think that he might not be on a roster until two or three weeks into the season. Okay, that's fair. I, I, 
I want to see him in Los Angeles. I do too. And I think a lot of people do. Uh, and I think that would be perfect for Cam Newton. And the weapons there and that defense. I mean, I think and Trey Turner is there and they have all the connection in the world. I think that would be perfect for him. I don't know why it hasn't happened. I'm still hoping that it does. But, I mean, at this point, um, with how things have panned out right now, CK might be right. It might not be uh, until somewhere into the season. But, um, uh, I mean, the the, the dark horse is the Patriots sign him. That's who it's going to be, dude. I don't think so. It's gonna look. The Patriots cannot go into this season losing Tom Brady, not having a draft pick till the end of the first round or whatever, and then all that, and then Jason Stedham or Ste- whatever his name is. Uh, they cannot do that, right? Is that Belichick? You think that Bel- Belichick's got some pride in him? He's not gonna just say, "Well, now we don't have Tom Brady." No, if anything, he's going to prove he can win without Tom Brady. And that's why I think Cam Newton, I think Cam Newton, I think he says this, is that they won't even pay Cam a lot, I bet. I bet you Cam, and and he's just going to be like, we're going to win a Super Bowl and get you paid, whether it's here or somewhere else after this. So I think You know what I think the problem is? The thing I think is going to be a problem is I think whatever team he goes to is not going to have a real commitment to Cam beyond the year that he's there. And they are just going to run him into the dirt, like yeah, running. Cube, that's a fear. You know, that's, I think another I think name is. Uh, I think another team that's intriguing to me is Pittsburgh. I thought that's where Bridgewater was going to go. Honestly, I really expected Bridgewater to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was surprised, not that surprised, once y'all got John Brady, uh, Joe Brady. I'm sorry, Joe Brady, but. Um, I thought Bridgewater would go to a team like Pittsburgh because that was that's a team that's built to his strengths. Run the football, good mm-hmm. defense, uh, and you just be a game-managing quarterback. You don't have to be a playmaker. Um, so you don't think there's any chance of a Ron Rivera reunion in Washington with Cam Newton? No, I don't. Uh, I mean, listen, at this point, anything is possible. I wouldn't say that there's – no chance. Uh, I mean, especially so. And, and okay, if the scenario that CK is believing will happen actually happens, then in my mind, it will be a team like, like Washington, yeah, where, where you know, either they drafted one and it didn't work out, or Dwayne Haskins isn't looking that great and they didn't draft one, and then hey, Cam Newton's still out there and doesn't have a football team, then yeah, I, I could. I can see all the teams with Carolina connections at some point or another throwing a bone to Cam Newton if they needed them, and that being Dave Gettleman in New York, uh, Brandon being up in Buffalo with McDermott, and and Ron Rivera in, in Washington. But uh, see, this is why I, I, I don't would, like those scenarios. But I don't like if I was Cam, and I don't know what his agent is telling him. But if I'm Cam. And his eight, or I would say, go to a team that's relevant, dude. Go to a team yeah. that is good. That's and, what I'm saying. And, and not go to a team where we're going to get 20 extra million dollars over one or two more years. But that's let's what I'm, like, play on a one year deal and prove yourself and remind people who the hell you are. And yeah. then you're going to come out of this and you're going to sign a $200 million contract on the, on the asset. That's my kind of scenario. To me, going to the Redskins is going to kill your career. 
Well, yep. the the part of it, the reason that I I agree with that wholeheartedly is that this has got to be a mutual interest thing, right? He yeah. can't be, he can't, he's not going to sign with the first person who makes him offer because, you know, let's be honest, if he's going to take a pay cut, which he is. And there is the Raiders making, too. We didn't mention them. That's And that's all that in there. Um, I mean, I still think they're rolling with Derek Carr at this point in time. I, I, I don't know. With them getting Mariota as a backup, I mean, I, I don't know. I think they probably just got Mariota in the event that Derek Carr just falls flat on his face next year. Um, they need to get him some weapons over there anyway. But you've got to, as, as, as Cam Newton, you've got to look at that, that, that team you're going to, and you're going to say, if I'm not going to get paid what I want to get paid because nobody's going to pay him what he wants to be paid right now, I better go to a team that's going to actually make me look good. And right now, if you look at the Washington Redskins, they're not going to make him look good. You no. know, nah, they're going to get him killed. And and like and like Ron, he before. knows what he's got there too. I don't know. Yeah. Is that that if he's not begging to go for to them, and they're not begging for they they know that they know each other well. They even got our Scott Turner as their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so. the, the last thing I'll say is this, and that's why I disagree with CK. Man, it's looking like Cam isn't going to have the ability to be a chooser. I mean, he still isn't signed right now. And like I said on on our podcast, a lot of it is this coronavirus. I mean, the teams aren't able to have Cam Newton in and have them see their own doctors and their own people and meet with him and have him go through their offensive playbook and do all the normal things that free agents do right now. But – um, it, and Cam Newton doesn't really have much of a market right now. And we never thought that we would even be saying that. Even earlier this year when we were talking about the Panthers trading him. I mean, they were not able to trade for him. So I, I don't think Cam is going to have a lot of options. I think whoever comes to him with a deal, it might end up being the only one. And he might have no choice and have to have a prove season yeah. no matter what. I, you know, I agree with all that. Um, I think I agree with you. That I think the Chargers are a dark horse. I think the draft right now is kind of in on all the coaches' minds, front yeah. and f- first and foremost. And how the draft falls, if you don't get the guy you want, then that's the op- opens the opportunities up for a Cam Newton, for yeah. a Jameis Winston, and all the rest of those guys. That's that's yeah. with everybody. That's with you guys with figuring out what to do with Kamara if he decides to hold out this year. Yep. That's going to be with Cam Newton, the the Los Angeles uh, Chargers, whether or not they take Herbert or Love uh, there at uh, the number six spot. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts that impact Cam's future and, and, and a lot of teams' futures with that draft. There's a lot of questions unanswered, and we'll find out a lot here in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. Fantastic. All right. Thanks. This is the C3 Panthers podcast. Uh, we're out here on Tuesday nights live, 9 p.m., Drop in bonus episodes on the way towards the draft. Uh, we've tonight gotten to hang out with Alan. Alan, tell them where uh, they can find your work. Okay, you can find us on Under the Dome podcast. We're on uh, Tuesday nights as well, 8 o'clock uh, Central Time. Um, you'll find me on Twitter at 79Saints. Uh, my partner in crime is Sean Williams. Uh, he is Drew's dad on um, on Twitter. <laughs> You can also find us on Facebook under Under the Dome Podcast, uh, that group. Uh, I I haven't been posting anything. I got a broken arm. Uh, I don't know if y'all knew this or not. I broke my arm, Mardi Gras. Did you fall off uh, a ladder? I fell off a ladder, yeah. Uh, but I was a in my wooden backyard, ladder. A wooden, a wooden ladder. ladder. They're the devil. 
Yeah, so wooden ladder in my backyard doing yard work on Mardi Gras Day. So I have not been writing very much. I've got pretty much all use of my right arm and everything again. So I'm going to be doing craft stuff soon, and I'll be posting under the Dome podcast. So as I get, as I heal up, um, I'll be good to go. I got a little metal. He's a Facebook warrior too, folks. He will write yes, a, great, I am. a great game recap on Facebook. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I do. I write a, immediately after the games. I write my recap, and it's usually full of jokes. So uh, <laughs> serious analysis, but a lot of jokes. All uh, right, thanks, Alan. Thanks, Thank Alan. Thank y'all. All right, and uh, Cody, how can they find you before Tuesday? Uh, you can find me writing for DraftTech.com for the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Cody Lack. Uh, hit me up. Talk about whatever you want. CK, tell them how to hit you up. I'll be under a rock for the next couple of years. You can find me at uh, on Twitter at Codizzle Allen. Um, pretty much, uh, that's the best place to look for me. So. Right on. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Don't forget, we have the cat calls line. The number's 252-228-5098. We're going to be looking at the Falcons next once we can track down one of those dirty birds to talk to. We don't know any of them that we like anyway. So that's the challenge right there. But until then, keep pounding. Keep pounding. And who dat, I guess. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.